Luke Dynan is the creator of Children of Wrath, and he's here for a talk about the band's debut release, No Flesh Bared. Luke, man, I've really been looking forward to this talk. Oh, thank you. I have too. I've spent a lot of time thinking about this, and I've come up with a really great marketing idea for you. Oh, yeah? You should use the acronym COW for Children of God instead of the full name. Then you grab Bart Simpson as your spokesperson and have him switch his saying to have a cow man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because I, I, I tag all my uh, picture files and MP3 files with the Ekron cow. So it's easy to find when I hit search on my computer. <laughs> so you're not too far off. <laughs> okay. You know, I, I do have a strange sense of humor, but I am going to get serious. How did Children of Wrath come to be the name of your project? Um, I was uh, recently uh, reconverted back to Christ, and I was reading in Ephesians, and uh, there's the verse uh, at the beginning of Ephesians, specifically Ephesians 2-3, where um, it talks about how we were once children of wrath, but you know uh, we've been redeemed through Christ. And I just thought that that was a, such a cool name, and I've been wanting to make a metal project for a while, and I'm partial to bands and movies for some reason with uh, three-word names. <laughs> so <laughs> I just thought it it, it flowed. And um, what better time to try a metal band than uh, to recommit my faith and then try and reach other people, too. Then how did your faith change? You said you've come back to being a Christian. Um, I was raised Pentecostal, and... For a myriad of reasons, I ended up resenting it in my teenage years, and then I basically just did away with it for almost a decade, or actually more than a decade. And uh, I was off-roading about three years ago out in the desert in Arizona, and I got severely lost, like way off the map, and I got hurt, and I basically had to leave my bike there, um, and I just I could have died out there. And the first thing that came to my mind was, you know, I, I need to ask God for help. It took me like half a day, but I basically limped out of the desert, got my bearings and found my way to the road. And I, I knew that was it. You know, I knew uh, that I was ignoring it or resenting it, but that it was still real and that, you know, something supernatural happened there. You know, I felt like I owed a debt. <laughs> Really, and is this how you're repaying that debt? Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, you kind of make that a bargain, so to say. But uh, I don't know how to explain it. It's just uh, when uh, you know you could die from exposure, and it's 120 degrees out, I'm in a t-shirt, and I have a bottle of water. Um, the first thing that I do is cry out to God. Then I just realize, you know, I've just been deceiving myself for years. Wow. That's something. Well, Luke, you got in touch with me about your music a few months ago, and mm -hmm. I'm really impressed by your debut album, No Flesh Spared. Thank I've you. heard it being compared to Opeth, Satyricon, and Cradle of Filth. Having the music of Children of Wrath compared to those bands sort of limits it. I mean, your music, especially with the lyric content, goes well beyond that. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm just trying to use that as a starting point. I mean, anyone who makes music, I think, is invariably influenced by the things that they listen to. And I mean, you want to be original without copying, 
But at a certain point, you have to kind of make those comparisons to try and get people interested or at least just give them an idea of the sound. Um, I mean, it's not exactly something you would necessarily pass out at a church or something like that. I mean, it's not <laughs> objectionable, but, <laughs> you know, it might make an old lady's head pop or something like that. So, uh, <laughs> Then is this style of metal something that you've always been into doing? Uh, I've always been into it as a listener, but this is my first attempt at making a, a metal album. Uh, I usually make a lot of experimental electronic music or some pop rock music. Are you serious? Hold it. <laughs> you did that. Well, that's yeah. nothing like Children of Wrath. Well, okay, yeah. why switch into metal then? Because to me, metal is like the final frontier musically. Um, there's so much that goes into... Uh, metal, whether it's speed, uh, talent, aesthetics. I mean, there's a lot of stuff, other genres that you can kind of phone it in with. But I feel like with metal, um, I've always been like a real discerning fan of metal. And I, I feel like other metal fans are too. So it's not something you can really fake. And uh, I mean, I've, I've loved heavy music uh, forever. The, the first heavy album i ever heard uh was white cross's album called in the kingdom oh man yeah. you are so dating yourself <laughs> yeah well my mom was so cool she would do those uh like things where you uh you buy i don't know three tapes and you get like 10 of them free or whatever and she let me pick one and I, <laughs> I picked that white cross album and i was fortunate enough to have a tape deck and nice headphones in my room when i was a kid and i just played that out and then the real first serious heavy album uh, was by a group called Six Feet Deep that is also a Christian uh, album. And uh, and I just didn't know that you could make those kind of sounds with guitars. And I, I think it really had a big impact on me. And metal, even Christian metal growing up, it was still kind of taboo. And I spent a lot of time defending what I was listening to. So that's kind of why I decided to use just biblical lyrics because I didn't want to have to defend anything to anybody, and I just always picture me as like a 14-year-old kid going, oh, no, no, it's, look at the lyrics, it's fine, it just sounds bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I wanted it to be unimpeachable. So your mom got you the music subscription. Did she have any idea what you were actually listening to? Oh, she knew. I mean, she let me circle it on the catalog or whatever, and I mean, I had really cool parents. I mean... They were always into the alternative Christian music stuff, even things that are just so completely tame by any standards that maybe other people were like, oh, I can't believe you're listening to that. You know, it's like Jeff Moore or Michael W. Smith or, you know, Petra, things like that. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you did get into metal. Something else that's interesting about you is that you've invented your own subgenre for Children of Wrath, calling it... <laughs> Blackened symphonic melodic holy death metal. I mean, that is quite a mouthful. Well, <laughs> yeah, but it's like shorthand for metalheads. Um, <laughs> kind of gives them the play-by-play because -play. Um, it's not pure death and it's not pure black, so it's blackened death, and then there's symphonic elements to it, and then there's that whole lesser-known subset where. Uh, Christian black metal is, is called holy, 
or you know wholly unblack too so i'm just trying to put a lot of different things in there because not every song is is really in the same vein on that album but uh i don't know that's kind of a i guess an in joke for me that i guess you noticed too (laughs) (laughs) you were talking about the different christian artists that you're listening to in your younger days Mm-hmm. You put a comment almost regarding this on your Bandcamp page, and you said, I find that most modern heavy Christian bands cannot musically compete with mainstream metal bands. The artists also appear to be in some sort of competition with each other about who can sound more like the previous artist's release, and the musical nature and production on the albums is also very bland. Wow, I mean... You've really trashed the Christian metal scene with that comment. But you did leave yourself an out by saying there are exceptions. But I don't know if I necessarily agree. What's been the biggest issues? I think that with a lot of Christian music, it's always, especially with heavier music, it always sounds like it's a few years behind the times. And then there's certain aesthetics that seem to take hold that instantly get duplicated across uh, a whole variety of record labels um specifically things like heavy chunky one note riffs and things where it's not even heavy it's just open it's just chug 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 and then there's you know high-pitched vocals for the chorus to try and get that crossover appeal it just it just seems like if one band makes it with a certain sound there's just an immediate effort to try and make everyone else sound like that and you know i think that's true in um secular music too but it always just seems like christian music is a little bit behind and they're just trying to ape the aesthetics of uh yesteryear sometimes in my opinion um there's just certain production tricks that i hear to me it just sounds like everyone's doing the same thing uh, in the box when they're mixing or uh, when they're recording. And to, to me, uh, a lot of things just sound a little bit like there's some studio fakery going on. And I mean, I'm not the best musician either by any means, but you just start to, to notice certain things. And uh, I just wish that there was more originality uh, instead of everyone just jumping on the bandwagon. Um, on certain labels right now, you could probably listen to every band blindfolded and you might think that they're the same band, but they're not. Is that just a matter of the whole metal music marketplace just being glutted full of artists? Yeah, I I think that's true too. I mean, the best thing about living in right now is also the worst thing about living right now. I mean, uh, everyone has access to computers and high fidelity software that major studios use so that gives the little guy a chance to make his way in the world but that also can lead to a glut like you're saying too and you know uh the music industry isn't what it is um compared to its heyday so of course they're just going to push and lash on to things that they're getting uh, a positive response from um unfortunately until it's probably beat to death um, you could look at something like dubstep basically cannibalized itself within a few quick years, but it was inescapable while it was big. I guess the counterpoint to that is that for an artist like yourself, well, I guess you started independently, but now you've actually signed to a label. Yes, uh, I signed with uh, Nasrul Recordings. 
uh, Michael Larson there. He's starting his own label, and uh, there's two other bands he signed. There's Symphony of Heaven and Ascending King. Ascending King uh, just put out his release, and that's like that true black metal aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Symphony of Heaven is definitely uh, like a Gothenburg melodic death type sound. And then there's me, you know, the black and symphonic melodic death holy metal. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to talk more about what you've created, about No Flesh Spared. What about walking us through how you developed the album and the recording process? Well, um, the first song that I actually recorded for that album was Seven Plagues, which is actually the third song. Um, I knew I wanted to have time changes and some breakdowns, but I really wanted to have uh, like almost a gothic aesthetic on some of the songs, have a, a, a moody atmosphere, uh, make it sound very dramatic, avant-garde, and uh, while at the same time having hooks and stuff too, so it's not you know unlistenable. Uh, there's some stuff I think that's supremely talented, but it's just not memorable because it's a barrage of technicality, technical playing. Um, luckily, I'm not blessed enough to have that sort of skill. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I did Seven Plagues first, and then the second one was The Words, which is the second track, and that has a lot more of that symphonic feel, too. And... Um, then I did the intro track, The Legacy of Man, which is kind of like a uh, an audio collage, if you will. Uh, you can hear wars going on in the background and uh, air raid sirens, bombs going off. And I thought that sort of set the tone once I kind of figured out what I was going for of like a, a, a world in chaos, a ruined world. And um, pretty much after that, everything, with the exception of, I think the last few tracks were recorded in order. So then you had uh, The Degenerate City is the fourth track, and that's actually the fourth track I recorded. And uh, I like that one a lot because I don't know if you've ever heard of the band Dead Can Dance. They're a really experimental, strange band from the 80s on the infamous 4AD record label. And it's just two people, but they do a lot of um, soundtrack sort of things, a lot of strange tones and uh, percussion and, and orchestration. And I kind of the, the intro to that song is kind of an homage to that. I know that's not very metal, but I also like <laughs> Yanni. I grew up listening to Yanni, so kind of <laughs> have a flair for the dramatic there. Yeah, Yanni live at the Acropolis. Oh, yeah, that was something uh, that was inescapable uh, when they pushed it through PBS. I mean, we bought the DVD and the CD and everything. And <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was awesome. It I was. Know, I, I've had a lot of exposure to a lot of different types of music growing up, and we're a very musical family, which is good. Um, so it, you hear all sorts of things on, on the record. Um, for instance, on the, the title track, uh, there's actually a sort of medieval-sounding interlude towards the end and uh there's also some some really interesting progressive passages like on gravedigger that i guess you could say is reminiscent of opeth or insomnium uh but mostly i just was trying to make the music that i like to listen to and i like to listen to lots of different kinds of metal so i think you you see that represented there but i don't think anything in my opinion sticks out too far from anything else 
Um, I did it all in my bedroom, <laughs> a bedroom <laughs> producer. Uh, I used to have tons of outboard gear, and I basically just kind of whittled it away and pared it down until everything I do is in Logic Pro now, with the exception of my interface and a tube preamp. So uh, it's a lot easier for me to work inside the box, as they say. Um, some of the songs on that album have more than 80 tracks on them. Now, granted, some of those are extra vocal takes and sound effects and stuff, but uh, there's a lot going on in the songs, and I've really agonized over some of them and, and, and just tweaked them endlessly until I was happy with them. And that's even before I started mixing them, so... You know, there, there's real sense uh, on there. There's virtual uh, by real sense. I mean, there's like samples of real sense. There's you know virtual synthesizers. I have um, some of the plugins are actual real choir voices. You know, that's me on guitar and bass. Uh, the drums are programmed, but I try to program them as a real drummer would play them. I mean, I, I've been teaching myself drums, so I try not to have anything that's too superhuman or impossible like three things getting hit at once with two hands <laughs> so i try to keep it grounded in reality <laughs> well that covers the music content but the lyric content of no flesh spared you pulled that straight from the bible i can't see how that could make the song development easier for you you know rather than just writing your own like how were you able to pick and choose what you wanted to include uh, it made it a lot easier for me, honestly. I have a real problem with lyrics. I get in this trap where I'll write something for a chorus and then have no idea how to, I guess, thematically work in a verse to, to get to that chorus. So for me, it was really easy. Um, uh, I try to read the Bible every day, and um, there was just certain passages I would be reading, and I would just almost hear a rhythm to it in my head. Um, so there's not really too much wordplay there that I had to move things around to get them to fit. And the good thing about metal is you generally do not have to rhyme or you know sing in any kind of key. So for me, it just made it a lot easier, and it, it took a, a big load off my back because that way I didn't have to worry about a lot of things. And I mean, the, the message is there. It was just kind of like a, a blessing for me. Uh, some things I had an idea of what I wanted to cover, and then I went and researched it. Um, there's going to be more of that on the second album, where I'm actually trying to, to cover some lesser-known things in the Bible, so lesser-known moments or things about creatures like the Leviathan creature or heavenly technology seen in Ezekiel. But I don't know, sometimes I just open the pages up and something just pop right out at me and I'm like, oh, that, that will work perfectly. <laughs> so I say 99% of it is biblical and then there's just a little bit of finagling on my part to maybe make a phrase work rhythmically. So it was very liberating for me. Well, all this brings up something else. You'd mentioned about how what you're doing is almost like it was a bargain with God. I've had a few Christian artists tell me that God gave them their songs. Now, some of those same artists have already put out crap. And I don't think that God would put out crap music. So with all that being said, I guess I've set you up for this question. How did God affect your music? Um, there is a, a fair amount of moments on that album that I think I kind of just 
got the download on. I mean, uh, the whole entire chorus for No Flesh Spared, which is actually the last song I wrote for the album, I basically just woke up and heard that in the shower and ran out of the shower and recorded it. You woke up in the shower. You sleep in the shower. Oh, no, no. I, I'm sorry. I woke up, <laughs> took a shower. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I wish I could sleep in the shower. <laughs> no, uh, I, I woke up, went in the shower, and then I just heard all the guitars, the phrasing, the words, the drumming. And uh, that's happened on a couple other songs, too. Or I'll be at work, and uh, there's just something rolling around in my head. And uh, unfortunately, more often than not, by the time I get home, I can't remember it. But there's been a bunch of times where I just feel like uh, I was given something and uh, I definitely feel like my skills have increased to get the album done. Maybe that's just by virtue of toiling away at it. You're eventually going to get better at something. But I feel like there's so many things that have fallen into place on this album that it's hard for me to deny that it wasn't God's work. I do seem to pick up on a recurring theme in No Flesh Spared that the might of God is coming to help the downtrodden and the faithful. Do you think mm -hmm. that theme would also fit your life, Luke? Oh, definitely. And uh, there's just there's a lot of things going on in the world right now where if you lose faith, you might be giving up too early. And I just feel like there's that reminder there that, you know, A, there's a certain amount of things that are going to happen to the faithless. And B, um, it's kind of a message for me thing to just keep at it because the way I believe, it's not going to be good for people who don't. And in my beliefs, I think that's a lot of what's wrong with the world is they don't have the fear of God. What's different for me with the Children of Wrath album is that I usually can pick out a couple of personal favorite tracks and focus on them. But that really doesn't happen with your album. And I'm not just saying this. I like all of the songs start to finish. You're the creator, though. Do you have certain songs that mean more to you than others? Um, oh, boy, that's tough. <laughs> I would say my two... Well, I guess I have three favorites. The, the last three on the album, um, you have Gravedigger, then you have By Fire and Sword, and The Remnant and the Martyrs. Um, Two of those songs are way over six minutes and were a ton of work. That's Gravedigger and The Remnant and The Martyrs. Um, Gravedigger, I re-recorded that song in a couple of different styles, and I just couldn't get the gist of it. And uh, basically, when I was about to throw it in the trash, I gave it one more shot, and then it came out the way it did. But I had re-recorded the vocals for that four or five times, and... Uh, I guess uh, the, the moral there is perseverance. And then The Remnant and the Martyrs, that just came together really perfectly for me. And um, I like that one a lot because there's a lot of beautiful parts in it. And in any kind of genre of music I'm making, I always like to highlight beauty and maybe contrast it with a little brutality. Um, I think there's a lot of special moments in that. And I blew up my tube preamp somehow after i recorded that song <laughs> so i think i just belted it out too much i had to go get a new tube preamp after that and then um by fire and sword that to me there's just a couple magical moments in that where i'm kind of paying uh an homage to a couple other things that i like and 
I feel like it's encapsulated, in my opinion, the perfect fusion of heaviness, catchiness, and uh, a little bit of some uh, obscure styles all at once. A little earlier on, we were talking about, you know, the things that Christian metal artists should or shouldn't be doing to improve their music. Now, Mm -hmm. obviously, you're wanting Children of Wrath to be noticed. What -hmm. do you think the impact of your album, No Flesh Spared, will be? Well, I hope that it is well-received by metalheads of all beliefs or unbelief. And primarily, I made this album for me. I'm always going to be making music, even if it doesn't catch on. Um, I've written six other albums before that never caught on, so... I'm no stranger to that, but uh, I really hope that it can give people a little bit of hope. Um, I hope it can reinforce their faith, and I hope that it can maybe turn some heads of people who uh, maybe have doubts about what's really going on in the world, and hopefully it can point them in the right direction because I am using basically exact quotes from the Bible. But even if they're not believers, I hope they can enjoy the aesthetics and the style of it. Um, because what's kind of a weird dichotomy in metal is there's a lot of atheists and things like that, but there's a lot of uh, satanic elements to it too. And it's just always kind of struck me as odd how they're all about the devil, but they don't want to believe in God. So it, to me, it's like, I don't know, there's just something at play there. I think it's just kind of funny, but most metalheads are pretty good about you know, the, not being judgmental about content and actually enjoying the music. Even more importantly, what does your mother think about it? <laughs> <laughs> They're very proud that I'm doing what I'm doing and it, there's no compromises, but it, it's way beyond their taste. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I made some lyric videos. Uh, she was very thrilled that she could figure out what I was saying by reading it while she watched the video. But uh, other than that, I don't think they're putting it on uh, car trips. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, Luke, you have to tell us where people can pick up No Flesh Spared. Um, you can go to uh, childrenofwrath.com and you'll find a link there to find it on the Bandcamp, which is childrenofwrath.bandcamp.com. You can get a physical CD uh, at this website called Punaki. Um, it's kind of a long link, so if you just go to childrenofwrath.com, you can find the link for Bandcamp and uh, physical CDs. Um, Michael at Nosrol is working on getting digital distribution in tons of shopping carts. There's uh, big things coming down the road. Luke, this has been great. Thanks for coming on The Antidote. Thank you. <laughs>